Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Garrison Talk Sports here on Anchor. I told you guys I was going to try and start doing a Monday, Wednesday, Friday type show. And I'm following through today at least. Yesterday was kind of an odd one because uh, I wasn't able to upload on Wednesday. So I went ahead and did uh, move that show to Thursday, which was yesterday. And uh, now I am doing our Friday show. So let's go ahead and get things kicked off with the rundown. And looking at the rundown, we have the NBA in action last night. The Miami Heat, sitting with a record of 20 and 20, defeated the Boston Celtics, who now sit at 25 and 16, by a score of 115 to 96. Kyrie Irving had 22 points in the loss. And some uh, video, <coughs> excuse me, surfaced of Jalen Brown and Marcus Morris fighting during a timeout. Uh, it's certainly concerning when you look at the the core of this Celtics team. You you see a lot of talented individuals: Kyrie Irving, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Marcus Morris has his moments, but you look at that team and you don't really see a leader stepping in. They're all Al Horford, I suppose you could consider a leader and somebody who can set a tone, but it doesn't seem like there's any leadership. And that is what Kyrie Irving wanted to do when he left Cleveland and left LeBron James. He said he, he wanted to be a leader. So I'm not seeing that from him this season. And the Celtics, as a result, have an underwhelming 25-16 and 16 record. Now, I still think that they have the potential to just run through the East, no problem, and make it to the NBA Finals. But they certainly got some challenging teams waiting for them. I think the 76ers are going to give them a tough test this year, uh, tougher than last year at least. The Toronto Raptors currently have 31 wins. And then the Greek Freak and the Bucks still lead the Eastern Conference uh, at the top of the table. Uh, for the Miami Heat, Dwayne Wade and Josh Richardson led the way. Uh, with 19 points and 18 respectively, so kind of a vintage performance from Dwayne Wade. The Denver Nuggets uh, got another win last night, moving their record to 28-12. and 12. They defeated the L.A. Clippers 121-100. to 100. Nikola Jokic had 18 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists, giving him his fifth triple-double of the season. He had one Wednesday, so he's racking them up right now. Jamal Murray, another young, promising player for the Nuggets, led with that led them, excuse me, with 23 points. And Denver's future is very bright when you look at that team. And they've got a veteran like Paul Millsap there to be kind of an anchor for the team. But Jokic and Murray paired together, that's a that's kind of a scary duo and something that other teams are going to have to pay attention to as the season and then the years go along. Lou Williams added 19 points for Doc Rivers and his Clippers. Uh, the game of the night, though, was the San Antonio Spurs and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Spurs got their 25th win of the season by beating them 154 to 147. Yes, you heard that right. 154 to 147. Spurs get the win. Let's break the game down. Two overtimes, 301 total points. At one point, the Spurs hit 14 straight three-pointers without missing one. LaMarcus Aldridge had a career-high 56 points and nine rebounds, and Russell Westbrook had 24 points and 24 assists. Four Thunder players had over 20 points. Um, that was just an insane game. 
DeMar DeRozan wasn't even one of the top scorers. Derek White was the second best scorer for the Spurs with 23 points. He's got a bright future. Yeah, that was just an epic game to watch. Marco Bellinelli, it was his show from three-point land for the Spurs. Uh, Steven Adams had a fantastic game for the Thunder. Paul George had a great scoring night. And that was an epic game. Now, there were some questionable calls towards the end that kind of screwed the Thunder over. Even as a Spurs fan, I can say that. But nonetheless, an excellent an excellent show these two teams put on. And it, it showed that the Spurs, even though they're a little lower in the standings than they're used to being, let's take a look where they sit currently, uh, they are down at sixth in the Western Conference. Uh, that's fifth behind the uh, L.A. Clippers. Even though they're a little lower in the standings than they're used to being, they're still uh, a threat come playoff time. And I, I don't know if I see them going to the Western Conference Finals or anything like that, but they're certainly a team not to be taken lightly. So uh, a fantastic game. They took down the three-seed uh, OKC Thunder last night. And um, both of those teams, I think, could challenge for a deep playoff run, uh, depending on how the season shakes out. So uh, without further ado, let's, uh, that's going to do it for the rundown right there. Let's go ahead and move on to the NFL. So this first NFL headline is uh, courtesy of Bryce Love and Bleacher Report. Uh, Bryce Love, the Stanford uh, standout running back, is and now now an NFL draft prospect. Um, considering he's moving on, he st- ended up staying uh, longer than many thought he should have, and stayed for his senior year at Stanford. I thought it was a respectable move, um, but. It, May It may have backfired a little bit with this recent report. So here it goes. NFL draft prospect and Stanford running back Bryce Love revealed Friday that he tore his ACL during a December 1st victory over the Cal Golden Bears. Quote, I'm very grateful to Dr. Andrews and his team for making the surgery a seamless process. End quote. Uh, Love said in a statement to Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports. Obviously, there's no such thing as an ideal injury, but I'm on the path to recovery, and my goal remains the same, getting drafted by an NFL team and being the ultimate professional. I'll be back better than ever than I've been. End quote. Thamel noted that Love underwent the surgery on December 18th with Dr. James Andrews and will miss February's NFL scouting combine. He tallied 2,118 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns while helping lead Stanford to a Pac-12 North title and an Alamo Bowl appearance in his time at Stanford. While he was expected to once again be one of the college football's top players when he elected to return to school for the 2018 campaign, he finished with just 739 yards and saw his yards per carry total dip from 8.1 in 2017 to 4.5. It should be noted that at least some of the blame could go towards an offensive line that suffered multiple injuries, and despite an up-and-down senior season, Love was still the number 7 running back prospect on Bleacher Report um, Bleach reports Matt's Miller's most recent big board. Miller also listed him as having the best speed of all the prospects at his position. Uh, obviously, a tough blow for Bryce Love, uh, especially you know an ACL injury at a position that requires you know cutting, being able to take hits, take hits to the legs, especially with the new helmet to helmet rules in the NFL. Defenders are going low, and um. 
I'm not sure when the recovery time is going to be for him, but uh, it's certainly fair to worry if you're an NFL GM about his speed uh, once he does recover from it. And then perhaps the fear that maybe it's going to be a recurring theme. Uh, You know, once you have one ACL injury, you certainly are more likely to have another. So um, I I certainly hope that Bryce Love is able to bounce back from this and turn into a, a a good, solid pro running back, but it doesn't bode well. Um, I will say this. He has that breakaway speed that um, that NFL teams are looking for, and I could see him turning into uh, kind of a uh, – what's the what's the guy's name? A, a McCaffrey from Stanford, you know, a running back from Stanford, a McCaffrey or a Duke Johnson type role where he's in on third downs and he's in for pass catching situations. I don't know if I see him turning into the uh, every down back carrying it 25 times for over a hundred yards. Um, I'm not, I'm just not sure he can take that kind of beating. Now that being said, um, I, 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 he could prove me wrong and uh, turn into a consummate pro. So I'm certainly rooting for Bryce Love, even though I'm a Washington State fan and he gave us problems. But uh, I wish him none the best as he recovers from this injury. And, um, you know, I, I think he can make a good addition to an NFL team. Um, uh, the More NFL news, the overrated and underrated QBs, CBS uh, – posted this article. It's well known by now that Panthers quarterback Cam Newton played a good chunk of the 2018 season with an injury, and NFL players took notice. Newton, who missed the last two games of last season, was named the most underrated quarterback by a league of uh, survey of 85 defensive players from 25 teams conducted by the Athletic. On the flip side, the Vikings' Kirk Cousins uh, signed an $84 million contract last season, was called the most, N- oh, excuse me, the NFL's most overrated quarterback. The Vikings failed to make the playoffs this year after reaching the NFC Championship game, and they put up just 10 points against the Bears in a must win week 17 game. So, this was an article published by CBS Sports, and it discusses uh, just, you know, that, that survey by those 85 defensive players. Uh, It's discussing the uh, most underrated quarterback and the most overrated quarterback. Uh, Cam Newton got the uh, vote for the most underrated, and Kirk Cousins got the vote for the most overrated. Um, It should be noted that Cousins threw for 4,298 yards with 30 touchdowns and 10 interceptions um, for the Vikings this year. He also completed 70.1% of his passes, and... While the stats are perfectly acceptable, the fact that he couldn't get it done in the last and biggest game of the season is def- is arguable fair criticism. Um, as for Newton, he has a pretty full trophy case. He won Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2012, MVP in 2015, and yet doesn't seem to get mentioned with the higher tiers of quarterbacks. I'm definitely one of those people who criticizes Newton. I just don't think he's an accurate quarterback. He's really not. If he throws the ball downfield, that's a win in my book. You know, if he's throwing it over 30 yards, it's in, <laughs> I'd say over 70% of the time, it's going to be an incompletion or, and it may not, not even touch the wide receiver's hands. So, um, I think he is, uh, I think he's a great rushing quarterback and he is tough to tackle, obviously, being six foot five or six, uh, close to 250. 
and he he serves his role well. That being said, I think he's a tier at best a tier two quarterback. I don't. I wouldn't put him up there with the uh, Tom Brady's, the the uh, Peyton Manning's. I wouldn't put him up there with uh, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson. I think Watson's far more accurate and got a far brighter future. Um, and granted, Newton's been in the league much longer, but um, I've just never been blown away, really. And, um, you know, it's he, he's very flamboyant, and he has a lot of fun. That's great. But uh, when it comes down to it, I don't know if he just has that will-do-it-all-to-win kind of thing, especially when you look at the uh, championship or the uh, Super Bowl footage where he had the chance to go for a fumble and he just kind of stood there and watched and the Broncos recovered it and that sealed the game. So uh, on Kirk Cousins' side, I'm not saying that he is uh, overrated or not. I could see an argument either way. I'm just saying that he puts up excellent numbers. Um, on the criticism side of it, I definitely see where people are coming from. He hasn't won any big games. He hasn't. I don't even think he's been in any big games, really. Uh, he hasn't done anything in the playoffs, and that is why the Redskins wouldn't put that money towards him. They just didn't trust him. And... Not that Alex Smith is going to do any better, but they didn't see him as the franchise quarterback. Vikings take the risk, and he has a great year. 30 touchdowns, 10 picks, uh, over 4,000 yards. Um, things just didn't go right for Minnesota this year in a lot of big games, uh, whether it, the defense, the vaulted defense that was supposed to be the anchor, whether they didn't show up, or uh, Kirk had some of his bad games. Uh, like against Seattle, Kirk... And that offense did absolutely nothing. And I would say the Vikings had a much more talented roster than my Seahawks, and they just couldn't do anything. So um, I don't think I would put Cousins as the most overrated quarterback out there. I would put maybe Case Keenum up there. You know, he had one great year, but he's been a career backup. And then he goes to Denver and puts up those same kind of numbers. So uh, I, I think that's a little unfair to put Cousins up there. I would honestly switch it, and I would maybe put Cam Newton up there um, as one of the more overrated quarterbacks, just in that he puts up good production and all that, but he's not somebody I would trust with the keys to the Corvette. So um, that's that was a, again, that was a report by CBS Sports. And... Um, uh, guys, very quickly, at the end of the show, I will make my NFL divisional round predictions. Uh, again, the Colts at the Chiefs, Cowboys at the Rams, Chargers at the Pats, Eagles at the Saints. I will make my predictions before I wrap this show up. Um, got some big games this weekend. So um, stay tuned for that. Guys, let's go to the non-professional side of football, the college football with transfer news. All right, so from one gridiron to the other, college football, Jalen Hurts. Uh, he is in the transfer portal, as well as a few other guys. that We're talking quarterbacks here. And uh, Jalen Hurts, perhaps the most sought-after dual threat, uh, or just quarterback in general. He had over 50 
six touchdowns, I believe, at his time in Alabama, 5,000 yards. Excellent, excellent dual threat quarterback. Maybe not the greatest thrower. That's probably the one knock you can put on him. But uh, to say the least, you saw his potential against Georgia uh, when Tua couldn't go. Uh, so Jalen Hurts comes back in and plays the hero for the Tide, and they go to the uh, Final Four. Um, some news yesterday, Jalen Hurts, uh, Washington's, uh, he followed Washington State football's official Twitter account, and the Cougs did the same. They followed him. So it appears, and this is just a rumor, it appears that Washington State has entered the fold as far as trying to go after Jalen Hurts' services this next season. Uh, this Cougar fan right here is hopeful. I think that he could potentially be the missing piece. We all saw what Gardner Minshew, uh, some random transfer from East Carolina who nobody had heard of, uh, throws just over 2,000 yards in his time in East Carolina, goes to Washington State, throws for over 4,000 yards, breaks Pac-12 records, and is put up in the top five of the Heisman and leads the Cougs to 11 wins on the season. Had it not been for them slipping up against the University of Washington and the Apple Cup, they would have potentially been going to the college football playoff, which would have been unheard of. Washington State was picked to finish fifth in the Northern Division in the Pac-12 this season, and they come out and defy all the odds, all because of Gardner Minshew. So the lure is there because this is a quarterback-friendly system, especially with Mike Leach uh, and, the, the, and the air raid passing scheme. You have fantastic wide receivers from sideline to sideline. All the best wide receivers want to play at Washington State. They may not be the five-star studs that you see you know, at the Under Armour or All-American games and whatnot, but there are three- to four-star talented kids who all fill a role. Calvin Jackson, for instance, uh, a, a very talented wide receiver out of Independence, Kansas. Um, the, if you guys saw that Netflix series, Last Chance You, Calvin Jackson was there for Independence, Kansas, and he was one of the more talented receivers in that group, one of the more talented offensive players there. And he came in, and I and he filled an excellent role and had a pretty good season at Washington State. So the athletes are starting to show up in the Palouse. There's no doubt. Um, the Cougs have, I believe, a thirty uh, over 30 wins in the last few years, which puts them up there in the top 10 for Division I programs over the last few years. And recruiting classes are starting to look more and more athletic, more and more polished, more and more um, talented. Last year, I believe we were close to the top 30 in recruiting classes, which is unheard of for Washington State, especially when you look at the area that you're trying to recruit to. You're recruiting inner city kids to a place with nothing to do in Pullman. The nearest airport, major, if you can call it that, major airport is in Spokane, two hours away. Oftentimes you would drive, you have to drive your... After your recruits fly in, excuse me, can finally get the words out of my mouth. After the recruits fly in, you have a two-hour drive to Pullman, and there's not much to do in the city, which perhaps for a lot of kids is a good thing. Uh, they can just focus on school and football, but for some, it's not. 
for some, they need activities to go and do. And they not having those activities means that they can find themselves in trouble. Uh, the athletic facilities, while they have improved drastically over the past few years, the football pro- or the athletic department has dumped a ton of money into this football program. Uh, it's not on par with the USC's, the Texas, the Notre Dame's, the Ohio State's. Washington State is a B-plus program at best. And when you look at what other athletic departments are spending, it's nearly triple sometimes what WSU is spending. The Cougs, on average, spend $59 million a year on their athletic program. So when you look at some of the other Pac-12 programs, it's double that triple that sometimes when you look at USC and Oregon, especially with uh, Oregon's Area 51, I believe. In any case, last season, this last season put the nation on notice that Wazoo is a program that is on the rise. And I think Jalen Hurts took notice as well. Now, is Jalen Hurts going to go there? I don't know. It's probably a long shot. When you look at the other teams on his list, Houston, the the other Cougars, uh, Wazoo actually plays them next year, by the way, at Energy Stadium. The Houston Cougars uh, have a new coach in uh, Holgram from West Virginia, and it's Jalen Hurts' hometown, Arizona, with Kevin Sumlin. What a flashy play. You know, he's he's a good recruiter. He He's somebody that the kids relate to. Auburn. Could you imagine if Jalen Hurts went to Auburn with Gus Malzone, Alabama's hated rival? What a storyline that would be. And Auburn certainly has the talent to, you know, compete for a title if they have the right players in the right positions. And then Miami was also another uh, team that is out in the news or in the rumor mill because Jalen Hurts has followed a few of the players at Miami and uh, the I believe one of the coaching coaches there or somebody who's on staff at the U uh, Maryland is also on the list as a potential landing spot, but I just don't see it. So especially with all the drama that's happened up there in any case, this is just me going on and on about how he has the potential to maybe go to Washington state. And if he did go to Washington state, I think the Cougs would have the chance to win the pac 12 you look at their defense, their secondary is returning a lot of their players other than the two corners. But in the recruiting class, the Cougs have landed some two solid Juco corners, both at six foot two. Uh, the defense has reloaded in the front seven. And we have an All-American transfer on the front seven at defensive tackle. Um, McDougal, I believe is his name. Uh, All-American from West Virginia, defensive tackle, 300-pounder to help clog up the middle. The kryptonite for Washington State has been the Washington Huskies. And Jalen Hurts, I think, would be the answer to beating those guys because not only can he throw the ball uh, at a decent clip, but he can run the ball like nobody's business, like a running back. So Washington would not be able to drop eight guys into coverage any longer they would have to respect the run and Jalen Hurts can do that and they would offer Washington State some interesting RPO options because yes Gardner Minshew could run and at a, at a okay clip much better than Luke Falk but Jalen Hurts man that guy can move and I think that would make Washington's that would be a wrinkle for Coach Leach's offense, and Jalen Hurts definitely has not been asked to throw the ball as much as he would up in Pullman. Would he be as efficient as Minshew? Absolutely not. I doubt it. 
but he would throw the ball well enough that uh, I think the Cougs offense would continue to hum along. So in any case, that's enough of me ranting or raving about Jalen Hurts maybe coming to Pullman. Uh, He has very, the Cougs have very low odds to land somebody of that high profile. Uh, Somebody they, they, they have a better shot at would be uh, Eastern Washington's uh, transfer quarterback. I don't have the name on him, but he just landed in the transfer portal as well. So the Cougs may be going back to the uh, grad transfer market in order to uh, lead their team next season. Um, also on the transfer portal, moving on, Tate Martell. Tate Martell, uh, it's funny, I'm watching a Netflix show right now called QB1. Uh, for those of you who want to watch, maybe take a look at it. It's, I think it's a very good show. It's got two seasons, and the first one, Tate Martell is in it. He plays for a, uh, one of the best high schools in the country in Las Vegas. I forget the name, but yeah, he was one of the dual threat one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the uh, in the 2016-2017 recruiting class. Uh, and he ended up committing to the Ohio State. Well, he is now in the transfer portal after a report came in that uh, Justin Fields, the former Georgia player, had now transferred to Ohio State. And it looks like he's going to get the start. Um, so Martell back on the market. Uh, there's rumor that he could go to UCLA with Chip Kelly, uh, Arizona also listed in there. Houston, once again, with, Dan, uh, with Holgerson listed in there. Um, why not throw Wazoo in there? Like probably not though. I don't know if I would want a kid like that. I think he's kind of low character from what I've seen in this show that I'm watching. I don't know him though. How do I know? Um, in any case, uh, Check out the show, guys, if you're interested. QB1, you would get to learn a little bit about Tate Martell, uh, a solid dual threat option. Um, He can throw the ball pretty well, but he is surprisingly fast. But he's only standing at 5'11", and I'm not sure if he would be able to take some of the vicious hits that those dual threat quarterbacks could take. Jalen Hurts, you know, he's, he's big. He can take those kind of hits. I would put him up there with more of a Cam Newton, except faster. Um, so he, he can, he can handle those body blows. Tate Martell, I'm not hundred percent sure. So that's all the college football transfer news I've got for right now. Coming up next, we'll take a look at the NHL, something I have not really covered in my time at Gears and Talk Sports. So, guys, this is something I have not done really at all in my time as uh, the host of Garrison Talk Sports. It's cover the NHL. Um, I have no problem with hockey at all. I think hockey is a pretty entertaining sport to watch. It's a bunch of manly, uh, huge men, manly men, men that grow beards in five seconds. Uh, men who don't have teeth, men who could probably uh, drink three kegs of beer, go out and skate around, men who break a leg, go out and keep skating and fighting through the pain. Just insane. Um, the average height of NHL players is probably 6'5 and up, uh, at least when they're on skates. Uh, they're, fly- they're skating around at 
you know, 15 to 20 miles an hour and smashing into each other. And they're carrying sticks all while hitting a small little puck, a rubber puck at insane speeds, you know, good enough to crush your windpipe and break your nose, smash your teeth. in. hockey is an insane testosterone filled sport. And come playoff time, I've actually watched a few playoff games and been very, very interested. And, uh, you know, as a sports commentator myself, I want to be a play-by-play commentator. The thought of covering a hockey game play-by-play is very intriguing just because the action is so fast. It's so fast-paced. And uh, there's fights, for crying out loud. Fights are allowed. The refs just stand there and watch the guys smash each other in the face. What's not to like? Um, I'm kind of a uh, Premier League football fan. I like uh, Tottenham Hotspur. And the thing that pisses me off about soccer or football, depending on where you're from, is the damn flopping, pardon my French, the flopping that takes place on, on the pitch. When you see guys get touched, barely touched, and then they're going down as if a tank just shot them, uh, rolling around as if they need to go to the hospital, and then five seconds later they're up jogging around trying to score goals. It's so maddening. So maddening. Believe me, I believe me, guys, I get the hate for soccer or football. You guys pick. I don't care. I call it soccer because I'm from the U.S. And I know the rest of the world thinks we're uneducated fools for calling it that. And I I think soccer is pretty entertaining. I really do. Um, When I watch Tottenham play, I get into it, you know, and it's it's a lot of fun. And unlike a lot of sports here, there's no breaks, which is nice. It's 45 minutes of action. And then there's commercials at halftime. And then there's another 45 minutes of action. 90 minutes, and then there's extra time for pauses and whatnot that they add at the end. So, and when a team scores, when a team finally breaks through and scores, it's just a euphoric moment, and there's so much emotion that goes into it. How could you not, how could you not get excited for that? In any case, there's a lot more scoring in the NHL, and... And I, I guess I won't say a lot more. Some games are defensive grudge matches where the goalies are just insanely good, blocking every shot coming their way. The defense does their job, rotates correctly, um, and you'll see a two to two to one game, two to one game that goes to overtime or go uh, is decided in overtime. By the way, overtimes are sudden death. That's pretty cool. And if overtime doesn't solve anything, I believe they go to a shootout automatically. And those are pretty cool, too. So, what's NHL is definitely interesting. And I'm not sure why it's not that popular. You got baseball. You got the NFL. Um, NBA, I would say, is in the top three. College sports, college football, college basketball. The men's sports, obviously. And then the NHL is kind of in there. And then the MLS. Maybe the MLS is down, hidden behind a few more other sports. But whatever the case, uh, the NHL doesn't get as much hype. And I'm not sure why. It has all the makings of a really fun game. I've just never been into it. 
when we, my family and I lived in San Jose, California for some time and the San Jose Sharks were in town, San Jose is constantly on the cusp of putting a team together that can win a Stanley Cup. And currently this year, speaking of which, they are 26 and 13 on the season, good for second in the Western Conference. So they're going to be a playoff team again this year. We'll touch more on the how the season's shaping out in a second, but I just don't know why I just can't pick a team. I Seattle's getting a team in a few years, maybe next year, I'm not sure. Maybe then I'll be able to rally behind the team and support them because all fans from Idaho sudden, you know, pull for Seattle for for whatever reason. It's kind of our teams. So maybe then I'll be able to stick with a hockey team and support them. But it just hasn't happened, and I'm not sure why. Uh, in any case, let's go ahead and break down the... Uh, I picked the top three teams of each conference just to kind of get a get a picture of what we're looking at this season. And I didn't even know the season was going on as I looked it up today. And that's a shame. Let's, t- let's start with the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning have taken the league by storm. No pun intended. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, pretty good writing on my part. Uh, they have 34 wins and eight losses. Toronto follows with 28 wins, and Washington has 27 wins as well. Uh, they were last year's Stanley Cup champions, I believe. If I have that totally incorrect, please feel free to comment and let me know how wrong I am. The Western Conference, led by the Calgary Flames, with 28 wins. San Jose follows with 26, as I mentioned earlier. Nashville has 27 wins, but they have 15 losses, so that puts them at third. And I just wanted to mention the Las Vegas Golden Knights. They have 27 wins and 16 losses. That's not bad for just their first few years in the league. Um, I'm not sure if I've got this right, but I believe they were in a Stanley Cup final, or were at least on the cusp of one. Um, And for an expansion team, that's excellent, considering that the team is made up of a hodgepodge of players who are, you know, other teams decide to give up and that, you know, the Island of lost toys is what you could call them basically. And they have turned into a, a team that every year is threatening for the playoffs, threatening for the top, for the top of the playoffs for that matter. So, um, that's a team to keep looking at as the season progresses. If you guys want to catch a game tonight of one of those teams I mentioned, Calgary, the team that leads the Western Conference, takes on the Florida Panthers tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time. The Panthers are just 17-17 and 17 on the season, so kind of one of those middle-of-the-road teams, a game Calgary should be able to take. Will I watch it? Probably not because I don't have live TV. So, that's kind of my spiel for the NHL. If you guys think I should start following the NHL, go ahead and comment and leave your comment. If you guys think it's a thing I should cover on my page, Garrison Talk Sports, or here on my uh, podcast, Garrison Talk Sports, then we can do that. Uh, leave a comment, like or like on Facebook, let me know, whatever. And uh, I'll see about adding this to the repertoire and learning a little about the game of hockey. So, uh, without further ado, guys, it's time for my predictions for the division round of the NFL playoffs coming right up. All right, guys, it's time for my prediction. The moment you've all been waiting for, you're all sitting on the edge of your seats waiting for this. Here it is. 
First game up, I've got the Indianapolis Colts at the Kansas City Chiefs. So Kansas City has had a fantastic year this year. Pat Mahomes, easily the breakout player that everyone talks about when you're talking about young quarterbacks, young players in general. Uh, The Chiefs offense is so fun to watch. Uh, Their defensive front is actually pretty talented. Their, Their secondary needs work. Um, it's at, it's in Kansas city, Andy Reed, you know, you just think of, he's just a, he's a mastermind on offense. And, uh, that is why I am taking the Indianapolis Colts. Yes, I am taking the Indianapolis Colts to win this game here. 27 to 20. Um, I just really like the way the Colts are looking. Something about them. Their defense was so surprisingly good in that game against the uh, Houston Texans. And the Texans, they're definitely not as talented offensively as the Chiefs. They're not as smooth. The the play calling probably isn't as good. But shutting down Deshaun Watson, um, uh, Hopkins, and uh, their run game like that, like it's nothing, that was impressive. And the the kryptonite of the Colts for the past few years now has been that defense. They had one of the worst defensive rosters I have ever seen last year. And they just played phenomenal in that 21-7 win. Andrew Luck is starting to look like the Andrew Luck we all saw when he was fully healthy. He has the ability to throw the ball deep now. T.Y. Hilton, as a result, is starting to flourish just like he used to. And Eric Ebron, who would have thought he would have had this kind of year where he's averaging nearly a touchdown a game? Man, I wish I picked him up in fantasy. So that is why I have got to go with the Indianapolis Colts. So I apologize about that. Let's keep going with that. I was just about to have a coughing fit, and I really didn't want that on my show. So moving on. The reason I'm going with the Colts over the Chiefs is because of Andrew Luck. And on top of that, the Chiefs really in the past few years have not shown that killer mentality you need in the playoffs. Last year, they start out 5-0, and 6-0, whichever it was. Go to the playoffs, <clears throat> or excuse me, they, lo- they lose. They, they really struggle in the second half of the season, finishing 9-7 and overall, I think. And uh, once the playoffs hit, they lost immediately. And it was just an unfortunate scenario to be a Chiefs fan. Just It just didn't pan out that season. And that's it's definitely not Eric Andy Reid's fault. It just, just not how this didn't pan out that season. So um, uh, the year before that, the loss disappointingly in the playoffs. And I believe at one point they actually lost to the Colts 48-45 to or something like that. And... They should have won that game because they were at one point up by close to three scores, if not more. And they just let the Colts back in, and the Colts ended up winning and moving on to the next round. I just think we're going to see the same. You know, I think uh, the the people have been figuring out the Chiefs' offense lately, um, and I think the Colts' defense is going to bring a game plan and be ready for uh, the this kind of air raid look that we see out of Kansas City. Uh, I think Pat Mahomes will have a solid game, but I don't think it's going to be anything um, explosive like we saw in, against the L.A. Rams or 
things like that earlier this year. So I've got the Colts winning by a score of 27-20 to at Arrowhead Stadium. Take it to the bank. Moving on, Cowboys at the Rams. Last week, Dallas had a very impressive win over the Seahawks by a score of 24-22. to And uh, defensively, they did a great job of you know, keeping uh, the Seattle's run game uh, off balance. Russell Wilson did an okay job finding his way into the end zone. And uh, the, the Seahawks were able to get some chunk plays on the on the ground. But for the most part, the Seahawks had to try and find it through the air. And I really think the Seahawks should have thrown it more just because Russell was finding, a, finding his receiver, our favorite receiver, Doug Baldwin. But in any case... Dallas's offense also did an excellent job. They fed Ezekiel Elliott like they should have done all year. He finished with 169 yards and a touchdown on the day. Uh, Amari Cooper continued to show out and for Dallas and show why they made the right move with the trade. And Dak Prescott, he, he was more of a game manager, but he made some clutch plays along the way uh, through two touchdown passes too. So pretty impressive win for the Cowboys. All of that being said, I just don't see them going into L.A. and defeating this Rams team. The Rams defense hasn't been good all year. I'll give you that. And at times they've looked downright dreadful. But the Cowboys offense hasn't wowed me enough to think that they're going to go in and be in a shootout game with the Rams. I think the Rams have so much talent on that side of the ball defensively. And they're fully healthy now to where they're going to at least <clears throat> make key plays when they need to. You look at that front seven with Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue and Fowler. I believe they picked him up from the Jaguars this season. All of those guys are in that front seven. I just don't think the Cowboys have enough in the tank to get it done. That's why I got to go with the Rams 35 to 20 taking down the Dallas Cowboys. And last but not least, you've got the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints. Last time we saw the Eagles down in New Orleans, they got thumped, absolutely demolished, 48-7. to The defense was in complete disarray. Carson Wentz and the offense could not move the ball to save their lives. It was an utter crap fest. New Orleans, on the other hand, did anything they wanted on offense, and their defense looked like a Super Bowl contending type defense. I do not think we're going to see that at all this uh, this coming weekend. I think that uh, it's going to be a, a very close contest. The Eagles have rounded into form defensively and look very similar to last year's defense this time around as far as playoff form is concerned. They held the Bears to 15 points, and the Bears' offense, um, you know, the Bears don't have a uh, the likes of Drew Brees in the backfield, but that offense has been a, th- you know, a pretty consistent threat all season long, and it's gotten they got me a lot of fantasy points. I have Mitch Trubisky and Tariq Cohen on my team, so I thought it was very impressive what the Eagles were able to do in that game. Um, offensively, Nick Foles. There's just a feeling with Nick that this calm, that it's kind of like, you know what? The Eagles are going to make some plays here. They're going to do what they need to do to win. 
And that's kind of the sense I get from this Eagles team. Um, that being said, though, I've got to go with Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. I have the Saints winning this one by a score of 21-17. to Now, let me be clear. I think it's going to be a very ugly game for the Saints. They're not going to be used to this where they're having to grind offensively. There's going to be a lot of times where they have three and outs and they have to punt the ball away and people start getting nervous down in New Orleans. But I think New Orleans' defense is good enough to limit Nick Foles and what the Eagles are able to do and to keep the Saints just enough in front. On top of that, they're in the Superdome, or the New Orleans Dome, whatever they call it, Mercedes-Benz Dome, whatever it is. And the Saints are historically good in that building. It's ridiculously good. You look at the numbers when they're in that dome compared to when they're away from it, it, it tells the story, a story of excellence. And I just think the Saints are going to do just enough to win this game and move on to the next round, and we'll see the Rams. Boy, wouldn't that be a matchup offensively. So, in any case, no offense to Nick Foles. I love him. I wish him the best. I just don't think they're going to get it done. I've got the Saints winning 21-17. to So, to recap, I have the Indianapolis Colts defeating the Chiefs 27-20. to I have the Rams defeating the Cowboys 35-20. to I've got the uh, the Patriots defeating the Chargers by a score of thirty one to twenty eight. That was a tough one for me. I wanted I wanted the Chargers to win just because of Brandon Meebane and what he's going through with the loss of his infant daughter McKenna. <clears throat> but when you look at cold weather games and it's going to be cold up there, Tom Brady is very good. In that temperature, Philip Rivers has a career record of one and four in those temperatures. That's not to say that he couldn't change it up and win it this time. And I think the Chargers have the roster that could do it. Their defense has some pretty good talent spread throughout, and offensively, they've been very good all season. But in Foxborough this time of year, you got to go with the Patriots. You really do. <clears throat> Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, playoffs. At home, it's tough to pick against them, and that's why I got to go with the Patriots winning thirty-one to twenty-eight. And then, lastly, the Saints twenty-one seventeen victors over the Eagles. Those are my picks, and I'm sticking with them. We'll see how wrong I am on next week's show, or on yeah on Monday. We'll see how wrong I am, and I'm sure I'll sound like a genius as I go reading through the stats and how how off my predictions were, but. I'm sticking with them. We'll see how they go. So, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Garrison Talk Sports here on Anchor. If you liked what you heard, please show your support by favoriting my channel here on Anchor or by subscribing to my show on one of the ten following platforms. Anchor is obviously one of them. But we've got iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and finally Radio Republic. If you have any of those, please subscribe to me on there to get all of my content as it comes out. And if you really liked the show, I'd be more than grateful if you were willing to make a small monthly donation to Garrison Talk Sports so I can continue to bring you new and refreshing content on a weekly basis. Again, I'm trying every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.
So, guys, have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy watching the sports that are out there. Another sport that I didn't mention, the Premier League, and it's game week 22. Go Tottenham Hotspur, beat Man United. Um, We'll see how my NFL predictions pan out. And, uh, again, I will see you guys Monday morning. Take care.